Good evening. I've always wanted to do that. I'm Ricky Banks. I uh, am the deacon here at Mount Juliet, if you're visiting. I am in charge of uh, the Welcome Wagon Ministry, and we'll talk about that a little bit more in just a moment. If you would, turn to Matthew chapter 22. Matthew 22, and I'll start reading in verse 36. Teacher, which is, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. If you love God with all your heart and with all your soul and all your mind, your life will reflect God's will. All other commandments of God directly re is directly related to that one greatest commandment. By loving God and keeping his commandments, this will affect us in the way we live day to day, the way we worship our God, the way we handle our finances, and the way we treat our family, and how we treat others also. And treating others will lead us to the second greatest commandment. If you would read with me this, the same opening, verse 38. <clears throat> this is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend on the whole law and the prophets. Loving God and other people is what being a Christian is all about. If you love others, you will treat them as you want to be treated yourself or as God would want you to treat them. Let's go to 1 John chapter 4. It tells about God's love. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. By this the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent us his only begotten Son into the world so that he might live through him in this love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. I think uh, verse 11 pretty well sums it up. We ought to love one another. In talking about the welcome wagon, <clears throat> I'll briefly mention a few things about uh, the ministry. It simply reaches out to the new people in the community. Uh, I'm not talking about people that, that visits here. I'm talking about people that moves into the community. People we don't even know, have never even heard of. <clears throat> and uh, we're averaging, within the last few months, averaging about 75 new families per month moving into Mount Juliet. And that is before Providence Place even gets kicked off the ground. We've only had, I think, one house sold in Providence Place. And that also does not include Old Hickory or Hermitage that is still part of Mount Juliet's address. This is 37122, uh, zip code only. So that gives you a taste of what we have in front of us in the, in the near future. What we've done in the past, we've visited uh, 
some of the new people in the community and invited them to church. Joey, my youngest son, just recently moved, uh, bought a new house in Oak Hall, and I saw some things he got in the mail by three or four other congregations uh, in the area. To me, that was um, scripted, if you will. Uh, it's almost like they did it because they had to. What I would like to represent uh, with this family of believers here at Mount Juliet is that we want to contact these people because we want to. So uh, other than visiting, I'd like to implement in the near future that we recruit some new members into the welcome wagon. And I would like to uh, kind of pattern it after the outreach ministry, if you will. And we would like, I'd like to send a personal message on a, on a card to these people, even though we don't know them. If you'll send a personal net message and sign it, to me that means a whole lot more than just a form letter. And in closing, I would like to uh, talk about the future a little bit. This congregation is very blessed. We are so blessed to have the elders that we do, that we have. And for those of you that's new and don't know the area very well, uh, we've been here at Mount Juliet four years, and I know this congregation has grown over 125 people in just four years. So what does that tell us in the next four years? And if you look around on Sunday mornings, what's that, what does that tell us? That tells us we're running out of room. And this is what the elders have to contend with. And just be thankful that we have wise elders and prayerful elders to take care of these situations. If you would, bow with me. Our dear God and our Father in heaven, we're so thankful for this church. We're so thankful for your love. We're thankful that you gave your son to die for us. Father, thank you for blessing this congregation spiritually and in number. And Father, we know and we feel that the future is, has some uh, challenges for us. And I pray that our elders will look to you every time as they always do. And as this area grows, Father, I pray that the Mount Juliet Church of Christ will meet the challenge and we will grow with it. Father, we're so blessed to have our ministers here at Mount Juliet. Everything that we do, Father, we want to do to glorify you. We love you and we adore you. In Christ's name, amen. Pretty on. Uh, Andrew, I thought it might be me throwing you off. <laughs> Who am I saying? Uh, and actually, I don't know why I asked for it, because uh, I need to be over here behind the podium, which I finally determined why we have a podium. That's for people like me and some of these other guys, because obviously our ministers don't need it. They walk around out here. But I'm going to try to stand over here. Uh, and if I get too shaky, I'll grab it over here. But uh, um, Rick is already... I'm Lawrence Gammon, by the way. I have had the privilege for the last few years of leading the SAVE ministry. SAVE is an acronym that stands for Surrounding All Visitors with Encouragement. And, uh, you know, I think uh, 
That says a lot. That ministry and those words say a lot for the influence that we as individuals can have, I think, at this congregation for for encouraging others and leading people to Christ. It's actually, I actually see it as an evangelistic ministry, and I hope you will too. And part of my mission tonight would be to hopefully uh, encourage or motivate some of you to become a part of that ministry. We have about um, 20 of our members that have been faithfully involved for four or five years, ever since it started, and uh, um, have been very supportive in the ministry. And uh, um, But we're looking to get other people involved, and it's very important, especially since we have so many visitors now. We're having more and more every week, and we need to be able to make contact with them and tell them we appreciate them coming. But uh, tonight, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about uh, why I think it's important uh, Ricky just uh, read uh, Matthew 22, the greatest commandment, and the second greatest commandment. It's on the screen there. And uh, it's also found in Luke 10. And I'll be drawing reference to Luke 10 a little bit uh, in, a, in a couple of minutes. Uh, and we will look at a little bit at the story of the Good Samaritan, uh, which is a follow-up to that story, or, or actually a part of that story. But first I'd like for us to look at uh, Matthew 5, uh, 14 through 16. And first, I'd just like to raise the question, why are we here? Why are we here? Now, your first thought when I said that probably was, why are we here tonight? But my, the question actually is this, why are we here in this world? Why are we here in this world? Looking at the big picture, why are we here? And I think this scripture here tells us very plainly why we're here in the world. Matthew 5, 14. You are the light of the world. A city that on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do men light a lamp and put it under a, a peck measure, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. We're here to glorify God. You know, that's, that's really God's only reason for putting man on earth, is to glorify Him. He wants to see if we can overcome selfishness, our own selfish nature, and see if we can overcome, uh, and see if we'll, be, um, we'll follow him. And so, uh, having said that, you know, I think we have to ask ourselves, uh, do we realize that, and do we live our life in that way? Are we letting our light shine? Are we trying to influence others for Christ, in other words? Are we trying to glorify him? And then, how can we glorify him? Let's look at uh, Luke 10. Uh, which is that story that I just mentioned. It also is a carryover from, uh, uh, or another um, account of the uh, Matthew 22. Starting with verse 25. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and put him in to the test. And this is after the question of... Uh, that he had already asked. He said, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, what is, the writ what is written in the law? How does it read you? And he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But wishing to justify himself, he said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied and said, A certain man was going down from Jer Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, and they stripped him and beat him, and went off leaving him half dead. 
And by chance, a certain priest was going down on that road, and when he saw him, he passed by the other side. And likewise, a Levite also. And when he came to the place and saw him, passed on the other side. But a certain Samaritan who was on a journey came upon him, and when he saw him, he felt compassion, and, and came to him and bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them, and he put him on his beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I return, I will repay you. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hands? And he said, The one who showed mercy toward him. And Jesus said to him, Go and do the same. So, you know, we, who is your neighbor? Who is our neighbor? Our, a neighbor is anyone who uh, uh, we can be of service to, anybody that we come across. And I think we need to understand that people don't really care how much we know until they know how much we care. Uh, you know, I think we've been guilty in the past, a lot of people have, of trying to, quote, cram the gospel down people's throats and uh, before we really show any concern for the people as individuals. I think we have a lot more chance of bringing people to Christ if we just show them that we care about them as people and we have a much better chance of, of showing them uh, and bringing them to Christ if we just show them the love of God, which we have been uh, all experienced ourselves. So uh, just remember that quote. It stuck with me for many years. People don't care how much we know until they know how much we care. But we do have to know something. Um, but the, I think the extent to which we're willing to inconvenience ourselves um, to serve others says a lot about how much we care. And I think that's what the SAVE program says for a lot of the people that are involved. I mean, people are coming down here on Monday night faithfully, inconveniencing themselves just to go out and, and say hello and to touch base with someone that has come here to visit. Now, I know a lot of you have been visited through this program, many of you who have placed membership, and it does my heart good every time I see someone that's placed membership that I know that we have been out there on Monday night and taken a loaf of bread and, and said, we're so happy that you have come and visited us. So, uh, you know, the extent to which we're willing to inconvenience ourselves, I think, says a lot about how much we care. Um, In Luke 19, there's another story which, uh, you know, I, I have a tendency to get a little long-winded on some of this stuff, but, you know, I saw uh, Ricky went pretty quick, so I thought I might have gained five minutes. Uh, and I kind of know what to expect from Tim if he does what he says. So. Uh, you got to take advantage. You know, I'll probably never be up here again, so. <laughs> uh, Luke 19 is the story of Zacchaeus. That story is very meaningful, I think, as, as far as what we're talking about here. Um, and I'd like to just look at it briefly, if we could. Luke 19, uh, and he entered and was passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man called by the name of Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax gatherer, and he was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was. And he was unable because of the crowd. He was small in statue. He ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to, in order to see him, for he was about to pass through that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for today I must stay at your house. And he hurried and came down and received him gladly. And when they saw it, they all began to grumble, saying, He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. 
Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. That tells us why Jesus came to earth, doesn't it? That's what Jesus was all about. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Now, the interesting thing about the story of Zacchaeus to me is this. Zacchaeus came, and he was looking. He was seeking. And you know, this morning, perhaps, we had someone in this congregation that was seeking. Seeking somewhere to worship, or seeking uh, to get their life back right, seeking to become a Christian, seeking to just start becoming a, relig a, re a religious person as opposed to someone who uh, has not been religious. Perhaps there was someone here that was seeking. And the question I, I would ask is, how many of us were seeking them? How many of us was looking for someone who was new, who we had not seen before, and asked, you know, who is that person? Wonder what they're all about. Wonder where they're coming from. Wonder where their, what their state of, of, of uh, the relationship with uh, God is. And so I think that's what this story is telling us here. Jesus was thinking about coming to seek and save the lost. He was interested in helping Zacchaeus be saved. And so, you know, that tells me that, you know, when Jesus came to seek and save the lost, it's interesting to me that when he left on a, uh, the final message to his disciples in Matthew 28, which we'll look at briefly here. He told them in Matthew 28 to go make disciples of, of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and so forth. So, uh, and he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Now, do you think that was for, for just for preachers? Sometimes I think we act that way. We treat it that way. This is the minister's job, to go into all the world and preach the gospel. But the fact is, that's a mission, or that's a, that's a command, actually, for all of us, isn't it? So I think our challenge is to, uh, uh, and you know, I, I put a quote on there, go ye means go me. And that comes from a book written by a gentleman, uh, Ivan Stewart, who has a lot of lessons on uh, evangelism. But go ye actually does mean go me. And so the challenge for me is to determine how can I fulfill that great commission? How can each of us fulfill the great commission? Because we all need to be able to figure out something we can do. And you know, the fact is we can't. It's not that complicated. I would contend that the teddy bear ministry is fulfilling that mission in a way. And uh, I would contend that the SAVE program of having come in and, and showing concern toward our visitors and encouraging them to come back and be a part of our, our worship is a part of uh, the evangelistic that we can be uh, a part of. Um, you know, we need to prepare ourselves. We need to do the best we can. If we're teachers, we need to prepare ourselves. And if we're, uh, um, because, you know, you can't teach someone if you don't know anything. So, you know, you can't teach what, teach what you don't know, and you can't lead where you won't go. Uh, and so we're, we're trying to lead people to Christ, and we won't uh, do what we can do to influence them, then I, I think we're probably not leading for, because we're not willing to go where, it, where we have to go to do that. Um, in um, 1 Corinthians 3, uh, chapter 6, 
there's a simple verse there. Paul said, I planted, Apollos watered, and God gave the growth. You know, sometimes, you know, I think we, we have to feel like that we have to preach the gospel to somebody and they have to be baptized as a result of that in order to feel like we've done anything evangelistic. But the fact is, you know, the seed may already be sown by someone else. And just being encouraging that person in some way may be our way of watering that seed that's been planted. So uh, God will give the increase, and we always give him the credit for that. But we need to understand that anything that we can do watered, to water a seed that's been planted is evangelistic in nature. And I would contend that p perhaps the saved ministry, where we just encourage people that are coming down to visit or comes to visit us, maybe, uh, and people, maybe someone who has already become familiar with the church and, and a seed has already been planted, perhaps our encouragement associated with that ministry is watering that seed that's been planted. And I think that's the way we need to look at it. Um, but the fact is, we've got to get the seed out of the sack first. It's got to be sown, and somehow we've got to get it sown. And then we've got to get, get rid of the umbrellas. Uh, any hindrance to that seed developing, genera, uh, germinating, we've got to get rid of. And so we can encourage, which is the opposite of, I guess, uh, putting up an umbrella, keeping the water from getting to the seed. But sometimes we even, you know, we do have, we're a hindrance to the development. Okay, I think we're at the SAVE program finally. <laughs> and so, you know, the SAVE pro program surrounding all visitors with encouragement. When our visitors come here and seek Jesus, anybody that comes here is seeking Jesus, to get closer to Jesus, to, to worship Him, to worship God. And so, you know, they come from various perspectives, as I said earlier. You know, someone might be downtrodden, have a, a lot of bad things that have happened in their life, and they're just looking for a better way. And so we have an opportunity to encourage them. Uh, so uh, we have to ask ourselves, are we seeking them? Uh, perhaps the seed that's been sown, and our encouragement will be just what is needed for that uh, to growth to be stimulated. Okay, the components of the SAVE program, as I had mentioned, you know, we actually have greeters. Uh, Steve York does a good job of leading the greeters. We try to meet all the visitors at the doors, and someone is trying to meet them and greet them when they come in. You know, it's getting to be harder and harder to know who a visitor is because we've grown so much, but they do a good job of that. And then there are seekers. There are actually some people within the congregation that have agreed to sit in certain locations and try to look for new people and, and, and then greet them to be sure that they don't get overlooked at, uh, by someone or at all and just leave without anybody um, noticing that they were here. And then there's the visitors or the people that come on uh, Monday night who actually uh, take a loaf of bread out to the visitors and, uh, and show them the encouragement and thank them for coming. And uh, there's no sermon associated with that. It's, very, it's a very simple visit. It's just saying, thank you for coming. We appreciate you. And is there anything that we can do for you? And uh, please come back. That's how simple it is. Um, the last thing I'd like to share with you is uh, the fact that next Sunday night after services, we're going to have a reorganizational pot potluck meal. And uh, if you don't, uh, if you haven't been a part of the ministry, you don't have to bring anything. But we would like for you, if you think you might want to be a part of it, we would like for you to come and eat with us. And uh, by the way, the people that are part of it don't know that they've got to bring food yet, so they, but they'll know soon. <laughs> but anyway, uh, we're having that next Sunday night. So. Please consider becoming a part of this ministry and uh, 
Um, it's a blessing uh, for me to, to have been a part of it uh, for these past uh, few years. Thank you. just the best rest. Everyone hear me okay? All right. Uh, my name is Tim Smith. I'm the deacon over the outreach ministry. Um, by a show of hands, who's been part of the outreach group, is or has been part of the outreach group, food committee, or flowers committee? Let me see your hands. If you look around, if you're interested in uh, thank you. If you're interested in the uh, outreach group after I speak, uh, come see me or see one of those who raised their hands. You're welcome to uh, uh, talk to them or me about it. Um, <clears throat> I want to thank the elders and the congregation for the chance to uh, come tonight to speak to you. We've already hit, heard two good speakers, uh, and I'll, I'll finish up. Um, I want you guys to think about what your definition of outreach is. Think about it for a second. Uh, I looked it up on a, a dictionary website. Came up with three results. First result, the act or progress of reaching out. That's pretty typical of a dictionary. They just change things around. I tried that with teachers. It doesn't work. Uh, the second is the extent or, or length of reach, such as the outreach of a forest fire. And the third, which is what is applicable tonight, a systematic attempt to provide services beyond conventional limits as to a particular segment of a community. I want you to take your definition of outreach as well as that one, just hold on to it for a little bit. Uh, we'll come back to it. Um, outreach ministry, what I'm in charge of, um, is basically described as this. It is to provide encouragement and sustenance to members, members' families, and friends in time of bereavement turmoil, or need, and to provide members the opportunity to contact and encourage recent visitors. Um, a couple verses that go along with this, Galatians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, we, as we have an opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who are of the family of believers. Another one, James chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Our, uh, the outreach ministry is basically broken up into three sections. One is the outreach groups, two is the food committee and flowers, and three is the care cards. Now for those of you who did not raise your hands, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to join my outreach ministry, the outreach ministry tonight. I don't think there's any other ministry that can get everybody joining just like this. Uh, just wait, I'll, I'll get to it. First of all, the purpose of the outreach group, groups is to provide an opportunity for members to extend themselves to others, both in fellowship and in encouragement, 
offer outward tokens of encouragement, condolences, and or congratulations to members and members' families and friends or friends who may be hospitalized or have emotional challenges or have some form of need. Uh, also, to provide the opportunity for members to contact recent visitors to our congregation and thank them for coming and encourage them further. Uh, we have a total of eight groups in our outreach teams. Uh, four of them meet during the day after, after Sunday morning services, four during the night after Sunday night services. That's one group, uh, it's two groups each Sunday, one day, one night, one, once a month. Uh, the purpose of each group is to, is a, it gives the chance to invite visitors of that day to have a fellowship meal with those of the congregation. It also gives the members of this church a chance to interact with people that we maybe not normally see. Because this church has grown so much, we have people sitting on the right side that may not see, ever see the left side. We have the amen section that may never see the center section. We have the newer members that may not know the well-established members. This gives us a chance to mix it up, uh, get to know some of the people you may not normally sit by or know, or ever know. Um, the purpose of each group, each meeting, uh, is to get a hold of cards that are uh, created by our car cord card coordinators. Uh, that is a list of those who are hurting, who are sick uh, from the bulletin, who are shut-ins, uh, who may be hospitalized or uh, recently lost a family member. Uh, the members of the outreach group take these cards, write letters of encouragement, phone calls, uh, or visits to, to these people uh, to provide them with encouragement to let them know that someone here at the Mount Julia Church of Christ is thinking about them and is praying for them. Uh, the second uh, purpose of each group is to get a hold of the visitor cards. Uh, Lawrence has also talked about the SAVE program. An extension of that is the blue cards that the, that the visitors fill out. We get a hold of those, we send the cards, also calls. Let them know that again, someone here at the Mount Juliet Church of Christ is thinking of them. Uh, ways to participate in the outreach group is to be a member, to be a team leader, those who actually organize the teams and make sure everyone uh, gets cards as they see fit. Uh, as well as a card coordinator, those who get, uh, take the bulletin and prepare cards for each group each week. The second portion of the outreach group is the food committee and flowers. Uh, the purpose of this is to provide members the opportunity to assist others by providing meals to those who are experiencing significant life changes, birth, death, hospitalization, and so forth, uh, and allow them not to be distracted by the concerns of preparing meals. Uh, also, we provide flowers for those who have been hospitalized and other means of encouragement uh, or those who have been bereaved. Uh, those who are signed up for food committee uh, are usually called to prepare one section of the food, of the uh, meal for this person, usually uh, vegetables, main dish, what have you, uh, collected here at the church and another member grabs the food and takes it to the person uh, in need. Uh, also, we have flower coordinators that uh, uh, also deliver flowers to those who are hurting and those who are in need. The last section, and this is the section everyone can participate in tonight if you wish, is the care cards. Um, for those of you who don't know what the care cards are, they are cards of encouragement, such as congratulations, 
rejoicing with you. You are in our thoughts and prayers. This one's pretty long, so I'm just going to show it. And get well soon. We have many different types as well. Uh, they're all located in the foyer uh, of the simulcast room. In between the two doors, there's a rack on the wall. Feel free to pick one of these up. This is another way that you can encourage someone that you're thinking about. If you're praying for someone, you want to let them know that someone here is thinking of them, whether it be another member, a family member, a newcomer, a visitor, someone in the neighborhood, neighbor, whatever it may be. These are good ways to let them know. Feel free to pick one up tonight, fill it out, and uh, you're welcome to mail it yourself. However, we do have a little black box back there. We have a lady that will pick them up and mail them for you. Uh, this is another version of our way to encourage our members to let our newcomers, let the people in the community know that we're thinking about them, that we're praying for them, and that they're not alone out there. In summary, the outreach group, the care cards, the flowers and food committee is a simple way of encouragement for those who are in need, those who are bereaved, those who may feel lost in some form or fashion or have just gone through a significant change in their life. Uh, we all experience it at one time or the other, and it's good to know that there's someone out there for us. Um, now, the outreach ministry is just a small part of what I consider outreach. Uh, let's go back to your definition of outreach. I want to give you mine. This is it. This book here uh, we created a couple of years ago. And it is a simple description of the 50-odd uh, ministries that we have available here, each one headed by a deacon and overseen by an elder. Uh, each ministry, either directly or indirectly, is a way to outreach to the community. Each ministry... The main purpose of each ministry is simply to serve the Lord. Now, one of the ways that we can serve the Lord is to reach out to our community, to reach out to the world, to reach out to each other. And again, every ministry in here is a way to do that. I was talking with a good friend of mine, Greg Arnold, and he said, oh, I was talking about outreach. He said, oh, my ministry is not outreach. I said, yes, it is. He said, no, it's just connecting cables and wires and so forth in the, uh, in the uh, uh, making sure the computers work, basically. He described it, and I couldn't describe it to you. I said, it is. Even that one allows the secretaries to do their work efficiently, which allows us to get our work done efficiently, which allows us to reach out. Reach out to you, reach out to the community. Now, each, one, uh, each ministry in this book reaches out to maybe someone different. We reach out to members here through, through my ministry, through the children's activities, the teen activities, education ministry, young soldiers for Christ, young ladies for Christ, save well, uh, we also reach out to the community through the teddy bear ministry, house to house, heart to heart, local benevolence, the welcome wagon, many others. We also reach out to the world. We have foreign ministries to Russia, West Africa, Latin America. We make uh, mission trips to El Salvador. There's many different ways that we reach out to the world, to the community to us around, to let them know that there's someone that cares, there's a Christian that the Lord has given the opportunity to talk to you about 
to let them know that there's someone else that cares. There's many ways to serve. The main purpose of my ministry, as well as all the ministries, again, is to serve the Lord. Uh, one way each ministry can serve the Lord, one way each, each ministry can serve the Lord is to reach out to others in the community around us. Jesus said in Mark 16, 15, we've already mentioned this once, go out into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. The outreach group and the food committee and flowers provides an opportunity to encourage every member who's in trouble, in need, has lost a family member or sick, and others. Uh, every ministry provides an opportunity for members to get involved in the Lord's work, whether, uh, wherever he or she wants to. In the same way that we reach out to other members in the community, the Lord has reached out to us. Uh, couple of verses, one of the most famous verses, of course, John three sixteen and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And another, John 8 and 12, Jesus spoke again to the people. He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Again, the definition of outreach. A systematic attempt to provide services beyond the conventional limits as to a particular segment of the community. If we're reaching out to those around us, the segment of the community is the non-Christians. As the Lord reaches to us, it's everyone. The Lord has his hand out. He wants you to come to him. If you are a member here who, feel, who feels like you've lost your way, feels like you're reaching out in the darkness for your way, let it be known that there is a hand out to grab you and direct you to where you need to go. It is the Lord's hand through the members around you, your loving members, the ones who want to care for you, want to know how you're doing, and want to make sure that you are doing fine. If you are not a member of this church, but you want to accept that out, outstretched hand, let it, let it be known that you do have a congregation here that loves you and cares for you. Let it be known that there's people here that can take care of you, that love you, that want to know how you're doing, and want to care for you as the Lord has commanded. Again, the Lord has his outstretched hand. We're about to sing a song. If you have any troubles, member or non-member, please come forward as we stand and sing.